This is the Conrad Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Y2K. How can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Boom. For five years. Thousand gallons of gas. Air filtration. Water filtration. Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. Streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Telegram, Rumble, and Odyssey. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim. Today is April the 16th, 2023, and this is episode 292 of the Workshop Podcast. So how the hell is everyone out there? It has been an absolutely gorgeous weekend here. The absolute perfect. I, you couldn't ask for any better. Three more days, we'll be on the road heading to Living Free in Tennessee. Real quick, we got Thesia coming on in just a minute. I am excited. So before we get going, I'll get my announcements out of the way. Hey, there's Rev. Good to see you, brother. He's a fellow dude right here in my town, much more handy than I am. So first off, Telegram group. Seems like every episode we get one new follower over there. Come by, join us. Uh, tonight, I just posted a two-minute video on the exact process that I use to make an old-fashioned because it was requested, and I figured, hey, why the hell not? Completely unedited, you'll get to see it. So it's over there, but honestly, the big deal is it's where we all hang out to share our failures and our triumphs and encourage one another to get out and get shit done. Number two, if you're not on Noster, that's okay, but... If you want to be, come and join us. I put my public key in the description tonight. Follow me. Let me know who, uh, you know, when I see you pop up, I'll follow you back. We're really enjoying it over there. It's just a really cool, so far, small community that seems to be growing with leaps and bounds. And, of course, it runs on the blockchain. It's a very similar technology to crypto, all of that. But I'm not here to talk about that tonight. But it is a really good platform to try out. So give it a go. Good evening, Dixon. Good evening, Matt. Good evening, Byron. Good to have you all, guys. Finally, so it's now start time to start looking forward to the next event. You guys know I'm going to be at LFTN, but soon after that, May 28th and 29th, I'm going to be in Addy, Washington. I'm going to be speaking there four times in two days. It's going to be a great time at the Thrivalist Fair. Thrivalist.org. You can pick up tickets. I want to. Say, I think it's fifty dollars for a whole family for the whole weekend. And if you're Canadian. You get that on par with Freedom Bucks. So that means that's like what, $14 American when you get the exchange rate going. Or No, not really, but it's worth it. So come by that Sunday evening. We're going to have a uh, around the campfire workshop gathering. I'm stoked. And beyond that, it's going to be a great time. Finally, today's tool is the Tesman Multimeter. It's under 10 bucks, probably the cheapest one you can get on Amazon. I got a couple of them. They've worked great for me. Links in the description if you're looking for an inexpensive way to test electrical gear. And with that, let's bring on my friend, Thesia. Hey, Thesia, how are you? Great. You know what? You got to know, I love your intro music and I play a mean air guitar every time I hear it. Oh, I love <laughs> it. So here's the deal. I don't say it often enough that the, the riff, the music part of it, that is from Greg Arcade. He's a, a Canadian... Uh, I don't want to call him blues. He, he's country and rock. He's just a cool, old-fashioned, freedom-loving son of a bitch. And he give me—he uh, does my music. He does Chris Dixon's music. 
Brian Alexovich's music, I think. He just uh, And, you know, he's like, dude, use it for whatever you want. So thank you. Yeah, I love that. That's a great riff, and thank you. Yeah, very cool. So how you been? Busy, as usual. It's springtime. Just a little or a lot busy? Uh, yeah, it's ramped up. Like, uh, we've got we've got custody of my granddaughter, so prom is in two weeks. I'm looking for it. We've been looking for a dress for her. Uh, softball season has started. Um, I got I had 50 Cornish Cross chicks come in. I've got some breast chicks that are growing up, and I've got meat meat. Oh, I've got meat birds. I've got egg layers, and I don't know. I've got, I got a mess. <laughs> So, you know, okay. I mean, I obviously, I think we met in person for the first time last year at the spring workshop. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you now, which is great. And I had the pleasure of hearing a little bit of your uh, presentation at SRF when I could get a couple of free minutes and come and see you. But can you share with everybody who Thesia is? I've been following you for two or three years on YouTube, which I think is pretty cool. I, I love what you do, but start you know, start back at the beginning and you have had, she has lots of stories, but always, you know, the routine here is, uh, what was your first job in high school or before that? I love to hear it. Oh, my first job in high school. Uh, well, I, I wrecked as a, as a babysitter. So I decided I'd go ahead. I got my first real job at uh, 13 as a waitress. And so I've been, I've been working as since I was 13. For Where was that at? Uh, that was in Southwest Oklahoma. Some little, it's a little, fa- it was a little family uh, restaurant. Uh, I don't even remember the name of it anymore because I'm, I'm old. So that's, that, was, <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> that's not a sign of age. That's just a sign of, yep, we've done a lot, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've had a few jobs over the years. <laughs> so you're, you're in Oklahoma now? Yes, I'm in, I I'm, uh, was born in Northeast Oklahoma in Tulsa, and uh, my teenage years, we lived in Southwest Oklahoma, and then I moved back up to Northeast Oklahoma and got married and moved to Alaska and then to Texas and then got divorced and married again and moved to California, and now I'm on my third and last husband and back here in Northeast Oklahoma. <laughs> so you glossed over one of my favorite stories that you've ever told, and that is your trip to Alaska. Can you share that with us? Because oh, I when I was love... driving back from Alaska, yes, my, that's husband, it. My, my first husband was a heavy wheel diesel mechanic in the army, and uh, apparently he was really good at heavy wheel diesel mechanics, but he really was not good at light wheel uh, uh, gas. And we had a this was a 1983, and we had a, a 1966 Chevy Impala, and uh, oh, it smoked profusely. So we bored out the engine 30 over. So the 283 bored out 30 over and it worked out, had a pretty good engine, had a two speed power glide transmission, but uh, that didn't work. So we put a different two speed power glide transmission, everything, all the parts that we bought came from uh, junkyards. We had a 20 gallon or I think it was a 22 gallon fuel tank, but it had a huge dent in the gas tank. So the sending, the sending unit to tell us how much fuel we had didn't work. And I didn't want to take a 5,000 mile trip without knowing how much fuel we had. So he went to, we went back to the, I don't know how much time you got. This is one trip. Oh no, you take your time. We got, we got as long as you need, darling. You okay. Well, they bought a 25 gallon tank and had to extend the straps. So we had changed out the transmission with the two-speed power glide transmission where we were going up a mountain to see if it was working. And uh, the gas tank was, I don't know if you know how we were used to uh, flip down the um, the license tag and that's where you filled up. 
Yeah. But that's what it also came up. Okay, so the straps that he had done to hold up 25 gallons gave away <laughs> and the gas tank fell off, but the nozzle was hung in the bumper. So that was when my oldest son, Kinsey's dad, was two years old and my husband was going, grab the baby and jump because we're like spewing sparks all over the place. Oh. So I'm jumping out of a running vehicle, running down the mountain until he could get <laughs> and get pulled over and stopped. But we thought we got the gas tank on, the transmission worked. But when we actually got on the road, the exhaust fell off six times. The left front <laughs> wheel fell off twice. Uh, we hit a culvert wrong and lost the front torsion rods and radiator. And then because we kept having to put the uh, gas, the, the exhaust back on, something was not lined up right with, with the exhaust system and the linkage to the transmission. So every time we were trying to go over a mountain and put it in low, the linkage was hitting the exhaust system and falling off. So we're wandering up and down the highway looking for the linkage to the transmission oh. with signs that says, stay in your car, there are bears. <laughs> so a 5,000 mile trips, there were days that some days we only got like 200 miles. Yeah, it, that was the longest trip, but I want to go back. I want to, I want to go in a vehicle that will make it. And I want to go back and do it right. <laughs> Becky and I have thought about it. It It's not that long of a, I mean, it is, but relatively speaking where we live, yeah. it's not that far, but did you, didn't you at some point, am I crazy? Or did you put the gas tank in the trunk? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because the straps wouldn't hold up. So we ended up putting the gas tank in the trunk and then I had Carmex in my pocket and we used that for lubricant to, to, uh, we ran to get fuel lines through the portholes in the trunk and then the Carmex would use lube so we can hook it all up. But that was also where we were supposed to put store our, our, uh, luggage and stuff for this trip. So we had to buy a rack and put every, all of our stuff on top. And, uh, and the gas tank was in the trunk of the car. So were you always that handy or did you kind of develop that skill as you traveled across country or? No, down? whenever I was trying to divorce my first husband, I wanted to make sure that I was going to provide for my son. So I tested for the air force and uh, they said they, they, when they got the results back, they said, you know what? You could be anything you want to be except a mechanic. Oh. <laughs> I, did not, I did not have mechanic aptitude. So yeah, it's so, so what I do now is I'm learning the hard way. So how did you end up back? So you're coming back from Alaska. Where did you head from there to, to end up where you are today? Um, after Alaska, he got stayed. My first husband got stationed at Fort Hood, Texas. And then uh, I, I divorced him while he was stationed in Korea. It was a, that was a, that was a very uh, 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 it was a very contentious marriage. It was one of those things. Sure. That he, told, he told me, if you divorce me, I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to kill myself. So I waited until he was in Korea to to divorce him and then gave him time to calm, calm down. And then I married, then I married my, my ex-husband and uh, his mom wanted us to move out to California. So the same week I got married, we, I left everything behind, moved to California. Uh, and then I got sick. I was allergic to uh, smog and I was allergic to, I, I had some health problems and apparently I wasn't very much fun. So he left me for another woman and I just moved back to Oklahoma at that time. So I married for life three times. I just haven't done a very good job of it. Well, this third one's not too bad. Hey, you said he was your last husband. So he's my last one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, my, my great grandmother outlived five husbands. So Ooh. I don't know. You, you can read into that, whatever you want, but she was a little five foot nothing lady and whatever. Yeah. She managed to outlive all five of them. So I don't know. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> 
I found out recently that my great grand now I knew that she had been through five husbands and I knew that she came to Oklahoma in a covered wagon. What I didn't know until a couple of years ago that when uh, she lived in Southern Oklahoma, <laughs> she was actually the madam of a whorehouse. <laughs> that's, that's actually really cool. <laughs> it was interesting. My, my dad was not thrilled because it was his grandmother. <laughs> Whatever we all have closets in the past, in the or skeletons in the clo- yeah closets in the past, yeah skeletons in the past. So, uh, Joker says third time's a charm, eh? I guess. So you came back from California to Oklahoma and kind of settled from there. Yeah, I came back and one of the first jobs I got come back because uh, I by then I had two boys and uh, I actually got to be a meter reader. I love that job. I got to I was. I was one of those that's in your backyard reading your meters and and uh, and doing that. But this was before they had radio frequency reads. So if you had bad dogs in your backyard, I was also the one that was hanging over your six foot fence with binoculars trying to read your your meter from. <laughs> and because I couldn't keep the hat on for the company hat on, I had a hair going everywhere. And so I got a lot of calls saying there's some crazy woman with crazy hair with binoculars looking in my backyard. <laughs> My grandmother had one of the old houses that had her um, electrical meter in the house. Oh. So whenever the reader had to come, she always had to let him in the front door. And she hated it because she kept a clean house. Didn't yeah. she hate that? But I always said, just move it outside. But she never listened to me. So that how long did you do the meter reading for? Um, about nine months. I did. Uh, I um, We had to wear steel shanked boots and okay. walk 10 to 15 miles a day. And yeah. uh, it did a lot of damage to my feet. Did I had you heard the story about the naked man in the Rottweiler? Uh, no. Okay. Found <laughs> the title for today's show, guys. So, yeah. well, I was still in training, and they do a lot of training on you when you're there because you go you're in yards with dogs, and and so you do a lot of training to how to deal with do, uh, dogs. And so I was on one of my first routes, and my boss was just two or three blocks over, and I had walked up to this house to read the meter, and we have radios. And this man and woman are in the front yard arguing because the woman had a Rottweiler chained to her car that was on the road. And, and apparently he was a dog catcher and he's telling her, no, you can't be putting your dog there and stuff. So I'm walking up. I'm going, hey, meter reader, can you put your dog up? And she goes, sure. So she puts the dog into the house and I go around to the south side of the house and they're diverting electricity. And they have the whole meter off the wall. So it's an open socket. And protocol is I'm supposed to get on, I'm supposed to stay there and guard it so somebody doesn't take their hand in and get electrocute themselves. And I was trying to call my supervisor, trying to call the office, and my battery was dead on my radio. So I thought, oh man, I'm gonna have to go find my boss. So I took off walking. Well, when the woman put the dog in the house, she put him in the backyard, and the gate on the other side of the house was open. And so I'm I'm staring down a Rottweiler coming after me. And you know, you never know how you're gonna act. But I turned around, I had, you had a handheld camera, not a camera, but a, a, a computer. And I put, stuck it down. And I said, you better get back. And then something snapped in me and I started chasing him. And I'm going to come kick your butt. And next thing I know, here comes this man naked as a jaybird carrying his jeans going, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm fine, but are, he's naked. Where's that dog? You know? <laughs> so I had to go find my boss and we, we got the socket put back together. But by the time we got back there, they're going, oh crap, we've been caught. And they're like speeding off. And <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Well, you had some fun. That was, that was a lifetime worth of memories in nine months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I tried to quit smoking a few times during that time, and there, there was I had some, 
interesting encounters. And the only thing you can do is sit on the sit on the car backward and go <laughs> and smoke your cigarette. <laughs> I never got bit. I was able to get into a lot of yards too. I liked that job. I really did. So how did you end up um, in your, uh, well, what you said was a 1998, $2,500 mobile home. How did you end up there? Oh, um, the, we're on a 40 acre plot that, okay. uh, that Tom and his sisters inherited from his dad when he passed in 06. And we had the middle 13 and third acres. And uh, my husband, my, my husband, my last husband has uh, depression issues. And so uh he he doesn't believe in um, wills and stuff like that. I thought, you know what? My name is on the acreage. My name is on the camper that we had bought for $2,800. I'm putting my focus there. So we moved out here and uh, we ended up living in a stinking camper for over seven and a half years. And so, yeah. So I, that's when I was finally deciding that Tom was not unable to move us forward and I had to do it. So that's when I started my YouTube channel and stuff too, is I had to, I wanted to, I needed to see us progressing. I needed to see us moving forward. So, but Tom did find a, a, a trailer house and we paid $2,500 for it, moved it in. And it actually sat for three years before we moved into it, uh, trying to get it renovated enough where at least we could be functional in it. So yeah. And, it, and, and I'm sitting here looking at insulation in my, where I'm, torn apart my bathroom right now and I haven't put it back together yet. <laughs> Tori, uh, she says, Theseus autobiography is going to be titled How a Naked Man Tried to Save Me from a Rottweiler. <laughs> That's great. I love it. <laughs> I think, I think the first video of yours I ever saw, and it must have been just about three years ago, was where I seen this crazy lady who was learning how to do everything herself, climbing up on her roof. I think you were trying to seal where your porch met your trailer is that right and i all i could think of was what in the hell is that lady doing up on that roof she's gonna hurt herself <laughs> and you've done so much since then i've got i've learned a lot i really have and guess what my skirting is still holding it gets, it gets it gets a little weak sometimes but it's still holding but i think i think i had to redo that six or seven times before i could get set where it hold well we were on uh for those who don't remember or don't know we were on the fireside freedom together and it oh, seemed yeah. like every week you would pop or we, we would talk a few minutes beforehand and i'd ask you how your skirting was and you're like well huh, some of it blew down but i'm gonna do it again yeah and if that's not the epitome of um you know stubbornness i don't know what is because you did you you got it working yeah, I was, I, and it was kind of funny because when it did blow down, and I, I do get, I'm one of those, I can throw things, I can throw fits, I can throw tools, but I did, it was just, I didn't get too discouraged. I'm going, okay, this is a learning experience. And uh, so I was able to focus on that enough to say, okay, this is, this is my learning curve. And if I can get this, then maybe I can learn how to do something else. Absolutely. So, you're also a prepper, are you? Yeah. Yeah. So how did yeah. that come about? So I guess we, we, I probably skipped that by mistake, but how did, how did you become into preparedness at some point? Um, when Tom first got sick, he got so sick. Uh, we got down to mystery meat in the bottom of the freezer. And before Tom and I were married, I was a single mom for a lot of the time because obviously when you get divorced, you don't just jump off and get married again. So I was I was a single mom and I understood 
the need to keep food and stuff. And so whenever uh, we got down to mystery meat in the bottom of the freezer, I'm going, I know how to handle this. I know what to do. And uh, I, I think at that point, my ex-husband had told me about uh, Jack Spearco. And uh, that's when I started learning about copy canning and, and all that other stuff. That So, yeah, I've been listening, listening to Jack Spearco, I think since uh, episode 940, for some reason, that number sticks in my head. So, um Yep, I started doing the copy canning. I've started doing things. And then I'm not home weird, but I still feel like we're about to head to the next Great Depression. So because I'm on the acreage, yeah, I can have all the canned goods. I can have all that other stuff. But it, the Great Depression, I've heard two different dates. One of them was 10 years and the other one was 13 years of how long it lasted. Well, any stores I have are not going to last that long. So that's why I started trying to do chickens and and turkeys and ducks and pigs and stuff. And I think now uh, I may even try to get into some cattle because where my property is reclaimed coal pits. Uh, they did strip mining on the property. So like all the property around us, most of it is like beautiful trees and stuff. And they came and strip, uh, stripped mined coal on this and then they just bulldozed it. So I don't, I have young trees now, but not really any real trees. So it's mainly pasture. So, I'm guessing now years ago, I lived in Saskatchewan for a winter and they had, again, there were like veins that they followed and they would just strip it back and they would kind of fix it afterwards, but they'd become little communities or little properties. So is the soil really shitty at this point? Like there can't yeah. be, there can't be a lot of topsoil there. Is there? There's not a lot of topsoil. Uh, it sat for, I don't know, 20 years, I think. And, and, uh, uh, Tom's dad leased it out to a guy that put cattle on it, but he didn't do the mob graze or anything. He just let like 20 cattle on 40 acres and they ate what they wanted and stuff. So sure. there wasn't a lot of topsoil buildup. Uh, we have a vineyard that takes up about an acre. It had 320 uh, vine, grapevines in it at one time. But when we were augering the ground to, because you're supposed to have an, like an 18 inch hole for each grapevine that you plant. Yeah. And we were coming up with grease rags. It was just wrapped around the auger coming up. And that's when we found out years later that the actually the motor pool for all the vehicles were there. And I'll be digging. I'll come up with a uh, a solenoid to a truck or to a vehicle. I've got one section over there that if I do too much digging, if there's some pipes heaving up out of the ground. Oh. So, so, yeah, there's not a lot of topsoil. There's a lot of shale. Uh, where I've been putting animals, there are some pretty good topsoil there, but it's it's not great stuff. Is Oklahoma known for its grapes? I didn't, I wouldn't have guessed that. No, I don't believe so. I think there was a, we were kind of in a, uh, uh, there we, we've had some vineyards in the area. So, uh, I think there was just a period where it was like a fad or something and Tom jumped onto that fad. Uh, sure. There was a guy that was only about, oh, 10 miles from us. And he had a nice vineyard and he had a winery and everything. And that's where we were going to sell our grapes. But he was too close to the railroad tracks. And every time they came through and sprayed uh, herbicide on the railroad tracks, it was the it was overspraying. And, it, and he finally had to quit. Most of, the, most of the vineyards around us have had to quit because, well, and even on years I get good grapes, I will go several years without a uh, harvest at all because we get the beautiful grapes. They, uh, we have wet springs usually. Mm -hmm. And then within a week, it goes from like 60 and 70 degrees and wet to 90 and 95 degrees and dry. And all these grapes just turn into little black BBs on the vine. So mm -hmm. every once in a while I'll have a pretty good uh, haul, but most years I don't have any grapes at all. 
you'd have to soak them in water just to turn them into raisins. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah they get sunburned real bad. They look bad. Tori says uh, this has been um, you, of course. Said it's been a true inspiration to me. Divorced mom, who's very handy ex husband, did all the projects, and now I'm left to figure things out. I hope I don't break a bone. Said, but Thesia has been an inspiration to me, and uh, she said uh, a divorced mom whose ex husband did all the projects. Now I'm trying to figure it out. So how does that feel to be an inspiration, Thesia? That's pretty freaking cool. I've, I've watched some of her posts and stuff and she's been pretty cool. She, she is, she's probably every bit as determined as I am uh, to learn things and take care of things. And that that's really cool. It has been kind of interesting now because I'm 60 years old. Uh, when I meet people that the most of them are people my age and they go, man, we were going to give up on life and I really wanted to do this project, but I've decided Aww. I was too old, but now I think I can do it. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out there and do it. So that's been that that's that's been weird. And I'm sure you know how that is the first time people start to kind of get to know you and tell you how you affect their life. <laughs> I did have a funny story happen the other day. I went to church and this this boy's about, oh no, he's six or seven years old. And his mother goes, Hey, did Wesley say anything to you? I said, No, why? What's up? She goes, Well, they're just getting into homesteading. And uh, she goes, and we've been looking at all the videos and Wesley goes, I don't want to watch these guys. And she goes, well, do you want to watch some of Thesea's, uh things? And he goes, who's that? He goes, you know, that lady at the church. He goes, yeah. And then he starts watching my videos. He goes, wow, I finally know somebody who's famous. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. that. Isn't that sweet kids? That, yeah, that that makes you, that must have made your day. Yeah, well, it made me nervous. Made, made me uh insecure <laughs> like uh, no i'm not famous <laughs> yeah I, my, my nephew watches them and he, i every so often i'm like oh, i probably shouldn't have said that but eh, you know <laughs> you know me so <clears throat> so what so okay so you're you're a, you're a homesteader you're a prepper and you kind of talked a bit about your philosophy as far as how you know um trying to prepare for another great depression but what what would your personal philosophy be for making sure your family's taken care of and that sort of stuff um right now i am uh, focusing on renewable uh, you know i still do the canning i have my canned goods and store-bought stuff i've got my store-bought stuff in there uh and but i do some canning but right now i'm focusing on having because i have the ability to put wild, uh, live animals that can be regenerated on my property. You know, I do have Cornish cross going, but I also have just recently uh, invested into that breast uh, bird, the B-R-E-S-S-E. And those are supposed to be good for both meat birds and, and egg laying and stuff. And they're just getting old enough to, uh, I've got one on this laying, laying a little bit and I've got two roosters. I'm going to have to process too soon. I want to see how they do. Uh, I have some heritage breeds turkeys. Um, because I had developed some pretty severe food allergies and uh, I think we're finding out it was finally was alpha gal cause I was not able to eat any red meat at all, but I just recently found out that I, I can again. And, uh, so that's mainly what I was focusing on was birds cause I could eat meat and birds. I mean, I can eat, uh, poultry and fish, but I couldn't eat beef and goat and sheep and, you know, I couldn't eat any red meat. So uh, now that that has diminished greatly, I can, um, I, I haven't had a bacon cheeseburger yet because that's one of my favorite things to eat. But yeah, I, I'm trying to get the courage up to do it. <laughs> 
So you're so, raising your own bacon or you're attempting to, how, how is that going? Cause um, that, that's going to be a bit of a chore for you. I'm thinking. Now the pigs I have are pretty good pigs. They're called an Idaho pasture pig. Okay. And so they're supposed to, and I chose, well, I chose this breed for a variety of reasons. They like grass. So if I can't get feed, I'd have to move them a lot, but I have grass. I got 40 acres of worth of grass. I can move them to and keep them fed. At least they're docile. I can get right in the pen with them and, and do all kinds of stuff. I'm thinking, yeah, we're thinking it was from a tick bite. I, I have been bit by ticks several times over the years and, uh, uh, gotten sick a couple of times. My joints got sick in 08 real bad and uh, I've gotten over it. So I get the feeling this it probably was a tick bite issue. And for the, meat, uh, for the meat allergy? For the meat allergies, yeah. This is called Alpha Gal and yep. that's probably and it's from a Lone Star Tick. Crazy. Yeah, I've met a few people that have been bit by ticks before and had meat reactions after that, but that's that sucks. That really sucks. Yeah. Well, and I looked terrible. I I had such severe eczema and such swelling and I was allergic to everything. I looked like a, I had like open sores and I looked like a fat meth head (laughs) and I felt terrible, but I feel great now. I really do. Still had your own teeth though. So you did okay there. Yeah, I did have my own teeth. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't look so bad. You know, you, when, when I was at my worst, I was at the height of, um, of COVID and everybody's supposed to wear a mask and all that other stuff. And here I come in with all these, and I didn't go very many places because I just look so bad. But whenever I show up, people look at, it's, you know how it is when you, when you have something, they look at you and then they look down while they're oh, yeah. talking because <laughs> they don't want to look at you. It's like, like when you go off in the early days of COVID, everybody turned be like, Oh, you know, they're going to shoot you or something. Right. So. Oh yeah. I mean, you don't even want to sneeze at all in public either. Um, Renegade Butcher says, I had a guy on my show a few times uh, in Oklahoma who's crossing Cornish uh, Cornish cross to other breeds and had good success with sustainable meat birds. Would love to see them crossed with breast birds. Huh, that's interesting. That is. That's kind of cool. Have you So have you done any interbreeding with your birds at all yet or no? Well, not on purpose. <laughs> no, <laughs> fair enough. Yep. My egg layers are kind of a mixed of breed. I, I bought a uh, heavy heavy bodied layers that uh, my customers that I, my egg customers like brown eggs. And so I've got some, uh, copper, black copper morans and I've got some barred rocks and stuff that, so that if, if I need to, I can eat those, you know, also. Have your pigs got out of the pen at all yet? Or oh yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I just do electric net fencing and, uh, I had to buy a new boar and I didn't ask before I bought him if he was, uh, electric, Here's another story, Tim. Sorry. Oh, don't be sorry. I love your story. That's what you're here for. I forgot to ask if he was electric net fence trained. <laughs> and my uh, two girls, they were—I uh, think they were a year old at the time, and he was only like nine months old. So it was like a teenage boy thing. Yep. And he did not honor the electric fence, and he kept. You know, I was trying to keep them uh, separated for a few days, you know, and. Um, he wasn't hearing it. And that poor thing, he asked those girls so badly that one of them actually bit his testicle and he was, he was pouting on that for a while. He was bleeding. His testicles were bleeding. And then he backed up to a live electric fence and therefore he was now 
he is now trained <laughs> to electric net fencing. I felt so bad. He had a rough, he had a rough few days when he first got here. <laughs> so what, um, I, I know you've done bathrooms, a whole bunch of things. What was the first, what, what was the first thing that you kind of cut your teeth on with this trailer uh, renovation for you? Where did you start? Uh, my, probably my granddaughter's room. We, uh, we had to, um, do some renovating in her bathroom. We put down a floor, we uh, painted a room. So it was really light, light duty type stuff, just making it nice for her and curtains and stuff like that. But uh, she actually moved in to the trailer house before we did uh, because apparently I wasn't much fun to live with whenever I was real bad sick with the skin sure. stuff. And, and we were living in a camper and she was, a t you know, she was, I think she was 13 at the time, something like that, 12 or 13. And she's going, I just want to move over to the house. And she had, she had a heated bedroom and a heated bathroom. So we let her go over there for a little while until I could get at the rest of us over there. And for the record, you're, you're raising your granddaughter, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. We got custody of her when she was 11. So on top of everything else you're doing, um, you're 60 years old and you're raising a teenager. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I, you know what? I adore this kid. I, uh, I, I think, I think I even said when I was at Self Reliance Festival this last fall, is like I would kill or die for her. I really would. I feel very protective of her. But we, I mean, we, we still got a pretty good relationship. I mean, she doesn't tell me her deep dark secrets by any means or anything. But she knows, she knows that. I would kill or die for her. She knows that I will not let her go hungry. She knows that I've got her back. And that was my big goal. And that's part of the reason I haven't gotten as much renovating done either because I'm focused on her. That's that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Thesia. that man, that's incredible. So <laughs> learning how to renovate, running a homestead and you know, for the most part, you're doing most of it 95% yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. How do you find time? Uh, I don't always. <laughs> I'm trying to get caught up on my video editing, editing, and I'm about three weeks behind on it. It's terrible. So how did, how did that come about? What, what the hell even possessed you to, so you, here you are struggling, you know, somebody who doesn't, I mean, to be fair, you would be the first to admit that you didn't know much of anything about any of this you're learning as you went through youtube university so why did you start a youtube channel to to share all of your struggles when tom and i were dating we 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 went to south padre island every every summer for vacation he had a lake lot he had a couple of boats we went fishing we went camping we went hunting you know, that's pretty much how he caught me is, is let me do all this stuff. And then when we got sick, we went backward real bad. We almost lost the farm. We almost lost a whole bunch of other stuff Aww. and I didn't know it. And so I basically had to take over all of that too. And because we went backwards so bad, I needed to see us moving forward. So I did, I started a YouTube channel at the time. It was called Ellis family farms because we had the vineyard, Thomas to keep him bees and I had my, my animals. So I thought, well, that's more than one farm. We had, you know, more than one type of thing going. Uh, and it, to me, it was documenting us moving forward. Even if it's incrementally, I needed to see some us moving forward. So it was mainly for me. And then here just recently here, just a few months ago, I, that's when I finally realized, okay, this is my thing. And that's when I changed the channel to grandma's homestead. And I've been real pleased with that change. 
I love that branding. When I saw it, I don't know when I first caught it, but I just thought, did you design the logo or did you have somebody do it for you? I had somebody do it for me, but the, you know, those um, the avatars that you can put on your phone, I just yeah. used that. I just told her, I said, this is what I want is my avatar on my phone because it looks just like me. And uh, so that's what she did. She made a logo out of that for me. It's perfect branding for what you do too. I love it because it because before, I mean, I remember when I first saw Ellis Family Farm, I'm like, I wonder who that is. And then I realized it was you. But Grandma's Homestead, I know I know exactly what that's about. I love it. Yeah, I do. I've liked it. It's been a good move. So what was the first project that you did at the trailer when you first after you got after you got your um your granddaughter's room done? Where did you go from there? Uh mainly getting uh getting it where we could actually move into it because I'm still on subflooring in the bedroom mm -hmm. and the flooring itself in most of the house is just that peel and stick stuff. And uh except for in the kitchen, it's got I don't know, this whole place is terrible. It it sat empty for so long it's had incredible water damage and incredible uh rodent damage lots of rodent damage and uh so uh that's the reason i basically i had to gut the bathroom because the floor was falling apart <laughs> and uh like literally when we took the toilet out well the toilet was sitting on some plywood so i knew it was rotted underneath the plywood and then we pulled the plywood out and it was like a two-foot hole <laughs> that was like open air and uh in underneath the shower was almost the same thing it wasn't quite as bad so that so i had to replace the sub flooring in there so basically i had to take the whole thing out but i'm an idiot i don't know anything talk about not knowing what you're doing instead of just putting the floor down and putting the walls back in to do it i thought oh because i think the shower in there was 31 inches and i thought oh no i'm doing all this i want a wider so a shop i bought a 48 inch shower Okay. And was going to move the walls, but moving the walls was a little more to it than I had anticipated because apparently that's where the, the electricity goes through and all kinds of other stuff. So that's been a, I was really lamenting for a while, realizing how much when I was tearing it apart, how much I was going to have to redo. <laughs> but after seeing the floor, I'm thinking I was going to have to anyway, so I might as well have what I want. What was the hardest one you did? What was the thing that you... Was there ever anyone that made you feel like, shit, I got to pull my hair out or I'm just going to give up? Uh, I think the hardest thing for me right now is is just uh, getting it done at all. I'm real tired of looking because I've got the inner walls taken out now. So when we had the hole in the floor, a stray cat decided that this is home. Yeah. <laughs> And so everywhere, every, I mean, I kept trying to cover up these. It was like 40 degrees in the daytime and below freezing at night. And we've got these holes in the floor with just like kind of just scrap wood thrown over it and carpet top. I'm talking about, but this cat could find a way in. Well, now because I don't have any inner walls and I've got just bare insulation, he likes to climb the insulation to get up to the bathroom window. And yeah, if you, if you know anybody wants a cat, I got one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You poor thing. Yeah. So where are you heading? So do you have the bathroom basically done now? No, uh -uh, no, it's, nope. it's no, we've got subflooring in the inner walls. Uh, I love my husband, but uh, I want, I wanted one in one day. I wanted to pull up the old floor and throw the new stuff down. Cause it was winter time. Yep. And we spent hours measuring and marking and measuring and marking and yeah, money pit. That's the truth. And uh, 
now we've got the subflooring down. I said, okay, we're ready to do the holes. He's going, no. I mean, this is like a month later. And I said, we mean you don't know where the holes go. Oh, <laughs> I said, no. Yeah. So I still, we hadn't even still got the holes for the, we got the, we got the holes for the toilet and the uh, uh, vent pipe for that done, but we haven't got the holes done for the shower and stuff yet. So I'll work on it. I'll get it done eventually. Oh yeah. You can, you, it might now just a suggestion. Could you pull one sheet of underlay up at a time and figure out where those holes should be? Would that be the easiest way? Well, this is on the end of the house. It's like a 44 inch gap. So I can just crawl up underneath there and do it. it it'll be, it's easy to be done. I can, uh, so it, now it's just a matter of getting it done, but I've had my hands full. I, I, I've had, I've had some pig issues lately and stuff. So that that's kind of kept me busy. So, but I'll get back at it. I and love how you easy. say it's easy. She's like, ah, oh, it's a 44 inch gap. I'll just crawl under the mobile home and cut it out. Like that's <laughs> something everybody does, you know? Well, I do it slowly and I look old doing it some days, but I can, I can still do it. <laughs> yes. What's stopping anybody from doing it? What, what, what do you think gets in the way of Pete? Cause you said you've had people who have messaged you or talked to you and said, you know, I was, wasn't going to do this because of my age or because of my health or whatever. What, what's the thing that stops people and how do you, how do you stop stopping? You know, <clears throat> You do have to assess. There are days I feel my age. There are days that I feel my arthritis. There are days that, uh, I mean, I, I had like a three week bout of bronchitis and I couldn't do too much. And so you have to, you sit there going, oh, you know, you're not getting any younger. Why are you even trying? And then you just basically, you just got to pull up your pants and say, you know what, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. So are you going to settle for something less? Are you going to do what you can? And uh, I've told my granddaughter, I said, ah, this is where I want to die. And I said, this sounds morbid, but if you find me out here and I've been dead for three days, you'll know I died happy. You know, I, I, I want, I like what I'm doing. I like moving forward. I like doing, I'm not any good at it, but I like learning and I like knowing that I can still do it. So why do you say you're not good at learning? Because that's obviously a lie, Thesia, because you can learn. <laughs> it is harder. When you get older, the comprehension goes down and uh, and you have to have some, and, and people have to be, sometimes they have to be real patient with you, explain it to you three times before it snaps. And I'm not an intelligent, but I do understand that I'm being obtuse when somebody tries to explain something to me and I, and I just tell them up out front, I'm being an idiot. Try again. I know I'll get it eventually, you know? So, okay. And I don't consider you old at all because you're only 60, but since you brought it up, I'll ask you this. So are there tricks to keep your brain working or to learn things as you get a little bit older or is it just repetition and, stubbornness i think it's a little bit of all of it but i also have also been very curious about a lot of things i google everything you know in fact my husband one time goes don't you just ever want to just wonder and i'm going no <laughs> you know he'll say i wonder why that i'm going i don't know let's find out you know and yeah he told me that the other day and i said why would you wonder why would you want to wonder about it don't you want to know because I like to know, I uh, whatever it is, I think everything everything is interesting to except algebra. I'm not very good. I hate algebra, and <laughs> there are a few a few things that I don't I don't like. But I read a wide variety of books. Uh, I enjoy 
I mean, I read novels and good for me books and all that other stuff. I've read Tom Clancy and, and Clive Cussler and, and Judith Krantz and just whatever, you know, I, I like, I read a variety of books and I enjoy it. What's your favorite book? Well, my favorite author is Dean Koontz. Love him. I love the way he describes things. I love his stories. I love the way he gets into characters. I just love his work. What any particular one of his you really like? Oh, yeah. Seize the Night. Oh, uh, that was one of the early ones I'd read of his. And uh, I think that's kind of what captured my imagination. You know, like one of the one of the passages is uh, he could talk to animals and he's trying to get a cat to go inside a door. And he goes in and just like the cat, it goes halfway and stops. And I'm thinking, oh, he's right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the most obvious thing. But they the, the really good authors have a way of bringing that to life and, and noticing the mundane, don't they? Yeah, but I love I, I love the way he describes things. I go through and highlight his description when he did when he when he describes how hot is the desert and what does it look like and how does it feel and and the sunset and the way the 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 rain is falling. I mean, he way he describes you, you go ooh yeah I can see that you know. So yeah, is I love his work because you know we we do a, a lot of fiction reading. Um, we have our our post apocalyptic book club, so which is fun. But do you, do you think that because they're okay for some people who all they ever want to do is learn. Some people look at fiction and they're like, why would you waste time on a made up story when you can be reading a self-help book? But do you think there's some, I mean, obviously you do, but what's the merit in listening to fiction or, or reading fiction? You still learn stuff anyway. I mean, okay. I don't know how you're doing with uh, uh, Atlas Shrugged. I'm I'm waiting my way through that one on audiobook when I'm doing yep. chores and stuff. And there's, if you think about it, the correlation of what happened, what she's writing about. I don't even know when she wrote. I can't remember. Is actually happening now. And uh, even, yeah. yeah. And a lot of the even fiction books I read, even if it's nothing that's you know that it, that uh, is important to me. You go, well, I was reading something about uh, the horse latitudes the other day. It was just just a little paragraph that explains like when people when when um, people were traversing across the ocean in their sail ships, they would get stuck in, in the doldrums and one of the, and they're stuck for sometimes weeks on end because there's no wind blowing. And what, of course, they in those days they they were kind of superstitious, and they'd actually would sometimes throw their horses overboard uh, to um, appease the gods, and that's how it got called the horse latitudes. Well, you don't get that in a regular book; you get that in some, you know, in huh. fiction books. You know, you just learn really neat things. Well, sure. They um, Nate said that uh, Atlas Shrug was written in fifty-seven. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. So there you are. What what is that? Forty-three. 63, 66 years, you know, um, two thirds of a century ago. And uh, other than railroads and newspapers, it probably could have been written today. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Actually, it's probably more precedent today than it was then. And yeah. uh, Freedom Media Corps, always great to have her. I love seeing her in here. Uh, said, you learn things when it's a turn of phrase or a place. She said, fiction's also a mental escape or a reset. And she said, I love to write fiction as a way to get stories out of my head. Have four books published on Kindle. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. See, now I'm really, I don't want to say jealous, but I think it's, I, people who can write fiction, I know I'm not that intelligent. Like what she can do and like, uh, 
I don't know if you ever read any of uh, uh, Amy Dingman stuff uh, that she, the, her fiction, man, they're brilliant. How do you write a book where you can mm, get your characters and your plot and the twist plots and everything and mesh it together. And someone that's going to show up on page two and some of us going to show up on 56 and some, and you know, the, yeah, that's way above my head. I, you know, I want to be a writer one day, but I, I know that I couldn't do fiction because it's just that it's fascinating. I love it. You know, I do. What about, what about nonfiction, Thesia? What's your favorite or one of you, what, anything that's ever really changed you or, you know, thing, some of your favorites? Oh man, I've got, well, okay. Cause I went through my twenties in the nineties and that's when all the self-help books were. Sure. So I've, I've read most of them. I don't know. I'm reading the one thing now. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm getting a lot out of it. And, uh, I don't um, know that one. Yeah. It's, that's kind of helping you to focus on the one thing to get you to moving forward and stuff instead of, you know, like me trying to get too many things done at one sure. time, you know, yeah, yeah, too many pots on the, too many pans on the fire. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I've probably read all of the self-help books and because I was born real hard headed with a, with a, with a terrible temper and I knew it was me. I, you know, I knew that I, that the issue was me. So I thought if I did self-help books, that it would help me Im improve. And I guess it has to an extent, but most of it is sometimes just hard living will straighten you out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong there. Thies yeah. I, I mean, I, again, I, you know, I'm a little bit behind you in life, but not nearly as far. And that, that's, <laughs> that's what straightened us out a bit, you know? So yeah. Um, Freedom Media says uh, the one thing is excellent. That well, now I'm going to add that to my uh, to to listen to list because I'm always always looking for a good book. Yeah. So when you um, something I've noticed I didn't notice before, but when you close out your YouTube videos, you always say uh, live is live until we die or live until you die. What what is live the phrase? Until you die. Where yeah. did that come from? Well, that's kind of a multi multifaceted thing too, because basically realizing that I was getting older and uh, I could either sit back and watch television and stuff. Okay. Now, you know, okay. And I've said, I tell you this stuff, but uh, I don't ever want anybody to think terrible of my husband. He no. goes to work and he comes home and he watches television. He has given up on life. He has completely given up on life and I don't want that to be my life. And so I know that I'm not getting any younger when I turned 50, I realized I'd lived more than I had to live, sure. left to live. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I better get to going. I need to start living now. And then when COVID happened, I saw so many people give up on their life then, too. You know, our 40-year class reunion was coming up, and some people were going, oh, I just don't want to risk it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, guys, this is all we've got. You have to get up. Jack Spirico again, the yeah. dad, when the day you're born and the day that you die, what is your dash? Everything you're doing in between. And I did not want to meet God and say, you know, the television was pretty good, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I went, I know I'm going to have a lot of things I need to atone for when I die. I know that. But I also want to be able to say, God, I got up every day and I did my best for you. And, it, and, and yeah, I still watch football. I still watch sports. Um, I, I still do watch a little bit of television and stuff, but other than that, I, I always want to encourage people to get up and live, 
live until you die and quit. Don't give up on life, even though society wants you to, you know, in some way, one way or another. And uh, do you think that? So are there, I'm kind of reading between the lines here, but there are a lot of people out there who have stopped living a long time before they stop breathing. Yeah, absolutely. How do you keep living, Thesia? Like, I mean, I, I know, obviously you keep breathing, but how do you keep living a life that's worth living? No matter, even when you friggin' you get up in the morning and you ache or you don't feel like eating meat or, you know, you got bronchitis for three weeks or whatever it is. How, how do you keep going? I think because I still have goals and I have to admit there have been times in my life where I've never wanted to get up out of bed and stuff like that. But right now, even at my age and even when I was having bronchitis and, and couldn't breathe, I still went, oh, I've got a video I need to get out. And I would jump at 530 in the morning. I'm jumping up. I'm excited about my life. You know, I, I know I get excited about a lot of things and, I, and, and stuff. But having a goal, having something to live for makes a difference. And I always tell people, you don't have to be crawling on the roof like I am. You don't have to be crawling underneath the house like I am. Find something that makes you happy that you can work toward. You know, it doesn't even have to be house renovation. If, it, if it's artwork, whatever it is that makes you happy to get you up off the couch, that's what I want you to do. And so that's that, that's kind of what my 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 message has been kind of honed down for is find what makes you happy and go for it and quit sitting there on the bat, on your butt. What have I said to you? Well, I don't know what makes me happy. I'm just a miserable individual. What would you say to them? Oh. <sighs> I don't know. Pray for him. Cause like I said, I live with one of those now, you know, and, and it, I have to admit that's kind of a struggle for me too. Cause as much as I want to have my husband with me and doing things with me, when he does, I'm, I kind of, I'm kind of dragging him along mm -hmm. and uh, it actually wears me out more, you know? So as much as I want to have a partner and, and uh, something and someone to share my life with it, it it's, it's draining, you know? So without sounding mean or anything, then in, in some ways you're better off to do things uh, by yourself motivated than trying to bring someone else along with you. Is that kind yeah. of it? Yeah. It, and in it doesn't this mean you love different. anyone any less, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you love them. And and, what it, and, I, and I think it's all about a, a bipolar stuff. It's kind of funny. I got I told him here a few days ago, or a few weeks ago. I said, dude, I said, you can go for months without saying a word to me. And then all of a sudden you want to start talking to me again. I'm going, I'm in my own little world. Why do you want to talk to me now? And then you know that he's going to go away again. And it's almost like a death. So, you know, because he comes in and out of my life, it's, it's a, it's a constant transition of, Oh, he's talking to me. Stop and listen, stop and talk to him, you know? And then when he, when he stops talking, uh, I need to stop talking and quit trying to talk to him. <laughs> And I'm a little bit slow to figure that out sometimes because I'll still think he's in the he's in the com, uh, communication mode and he's not. So, uh, but it's it, it is almost like a death. You just like, oh, he's gone again. Okay. <laughs> hmm. So when you get onto a project, like say during the day, do you kind of get in the flow and stick with that the whole day and kind of get lost in it, or do you do you really jump around even day like even within one day? Uh, I, I move around too much and I need to redo that. That's the reason my bathroom is not done. Uh, <laughs> I, I, unfortunately I, I have, because, because I have a granddaughter, because I have a house, I'm, because I do the cooking and the cleaning in the house and the, and the, and the mowing and the vineyard and stuff like that. I have, 
unfortunately uh, sectioned my life out in 30 minute increments. Okay. I've got 30 minutes to edit this video and I do 30 minutes. Oh, now it's time to get up and do a load of laundry. Oh, now it's time to work on this. Or, and, and I've scattered myself too much. I've got, I'm, I, I'm in the process of rethinking it now and doing bigger blocks on the physical things to get them done. I just thought, so how is it, um, are there any certain particular challenges for creating content? Um, as an older generation, like, have you, uh, like, do you find the technology difficult sometimes or no? Oh, yeah. The technology, yeah, sucks. I got to... <laughs> I was trying to listen to Jack Spirico talking about Noster the other day. And I'm thinking, dude, I don't know what you mean by protocol. What are you talking about? I'm yelling at <laughs> I know. And so, yeah, um, I have, I, I've learned enough to get me where I need to do. I can some do some editing and stuff, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't think I'm minimal. You know, I, I think, eh, and some things I'm pretty minimal with, with, uh, technology stuff because, well, cause I am spread so thin. Oh, you want me to learn something new? Why? <laughs> you know? already, I'm already trying to learn all this, you know? So, I mean, I haven't ever learned to do lightning yet, and I need to learn to do that. And uh, you know what? Here, here's my thing you don't have to learn any of that. That's the beauty of it because it's great, it's an awesome thing. But if it becomes a chore or it becomes something else you just have to do, then you, freak, don't worry about it. You don't have to do it. You know, don't, don't ever put that on you because you're doing a shit ton of stuff that you're kicking ass and taking names at. So whatever the other shit, if it gets done, it gets done, but don't, don't worry about it. Jeez. You know? Yeah. Sometimes I get to feeling overwhelmed. I keep thinking, well, if I get it done, that's great. But if I don't, it's not, but you know, I, you know, the whole point is to move forward. So if you, I got to get it done to, to move forward. I almost Cause right now I'm showering in the, in the barn. Our bathroom is in the barn. And it's not heated. I mean, it, the bathroom can be heated, but the barn itself is not heated. So, yeah, I'm ready to not have to walk across the property to go take a shower every night. You know, they always said, did you grow up in a barn? Well, no, but you shower in one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I used to do my dishes and stuff in there. We had it set up when we the camper we lived in for seven and a half years didn't have running water. Uh, it, did, it wasn't connected to sewage and it didn't have any uh, running water. So basically I did everything in the barn. And, uh, oh, so yeah. <laughs> so I got to add, well, okay. We talked about tools earlier and I saved this one for close to the end, but <laughs> I think I asked you one time or, or you mentioned what your favorite tool was <laughs> and it, it's a real sexy one, isn't it? Yes. I'm so boneheaded. Sometimes after you asked me that, I didn't realize you were asking me about DeWalt or, or Milwaukee and all that stuff. And I said, Oh, the one I use all the time is a claw hammer. It works really good for weeding. <laughs> you know what? You, you, you still joke about that, but that's awesome. I wouldn't, I never thought about using it for weeding. So whatever, if that's your favorite tool, friggin' run with it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You I felt, I realized I thought, Oh, what a bonehead. <laughs> Oh, shoot. No, that was great. I love that. <coughs> and for the record, guys, uh, Thesea asked me to bust her balls about that one because she still enjoyed yeah. it. Too, so. Yep, I did. <laughs> so if there's any other, I don't know, any other piece of advice or any anything else, because I'm sure there's somebody out there who's either down or just thinks, well, I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. Anything you'd say to him? Oh, don't give up. Just keep on living, doing the best you can, whatever it is. 
have fun, have fun. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I work all the time. I put in like 14 hour days, but I'm having fun. So um, it does go back to, you know, live until you die. You know, this is all we got. This is our one life. I mean, even if, even if you believe in reincarnation, this is all you got for this life, you know? So um, enjoy life and, and do the best you can with it and don't give up. I love it. So how can people find you, Thesia? What's the easiest way for people to follow up with you so they can support you? Um, my major thing is uh, Grandma's Homestead YouTube channel. And uh, I'm getting better about getting my videos out. For, <laughs> I'm doing this Monday update. Going, oh, look, my my uh, my trees are finally leafing out. It's like, lady, they've been at leafed out for three weeks. I know, I know. <laughs> you know. And uh, I also have started my own uh, podcast. It's called This Grandma's Life. Nice. And so I, I do the podcast on that one and um, I'm working on working with a, 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 a website is called uh, grandma's homestead uh, dot farm. That's, okay. that's, um, and so I can be found on Instagram. Where am I? Uh, I got TikTok. you here. Yeah. Huh? Oh, I was going to say, I thought I had your, yeah, I've, I, I threw all of your links too, but I, I see okay. YouTube. A far, you got a farm animal YouTube channel as well. Yeah. And uh, the podcast and yeah, grandma's homestead dot farm. Yeah. I like that. That one's cool. Uh, the dot farm thing. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, on that farm animal life, that's just what I just took a camera in like in the brooder uh, okay. with something. And so it's just, I'm not even talking. I just stick it in there with, uh, with an animal. So it doesn't have very many views because I just don't mess with it too much, but it's kind of cool to watch. It's kind of cool to watch the animals when they don't, when they know there's no people around and how, how they act. I like that. That's like people. It's fun to watch people when they don't know you're watching, see how they act too. Isn't <laughs> yeah. <it>? yeah. <laughs> well, thanks Thesia. Uh, if you want to hang in the back for just one second, I'll close up and be right back with you if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you came away from this episode and you're not motivated to live until we all invariably die, then you weren't listening to the same conversation I was because Thesia, like I said, I remember commenting on one of her very first videos that I saw and how much of a motivation it was to me because she was up there on that roof trying to fix that leak because she had to do it herself. Nobody else is going to do it for you. And so if nothing else, you know, um, Two things to remember tonight, live until you die and never lose that picture of the naked man chasing the Rottweiler down the road. So with that, guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy and have a great week.